and welcome back to Reach for Wellness, a video podcast by Community Reach Center. I'm Vanessa Alarcón, your host. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and a licensed addictions counselor. This is part three of our series on autism awareness. And first, we got to talk about the lived experience by one of our reachers here. Then we got to talk about some therapy treatments that some may use if they have a diagnosis of autism. And today we're going to focus on what is autism Um, spectrum disorder and learn more about the science behind it. So I'm delighted to have Dr. Rogers here. Dr. Rogers, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so Dr. Rogers, tell us about what you do for CRC and your clinical background. Sure. Uh, So for CRC, I am the chief medical officer here. Uh, So I oversee medical operations and um, our clinical practices with prescribers. Mm -hmm. And my background, I'm a uh, board-certified psychiatrist. I'm also uh, fellowship-trained and boarded in, board-certified in uh, behavioral neurology and neuropsychiatry. Wow. Just like kind of the, the, uh, the interplay between neurology and psychiatry, the neurological basis of psychiatric disorders. Mm-hmm. Great. So that sounds like a lot that you've done, <laughs> and we'll get to autism, but I am curious, how long did it take for you to do all of that studying and training? That's, that's a long time. It's, you know, medical... Uh, well, undergrad, uh, then medical school, then residency, then fellowship, and then um, worked in uh, as a clinician for many years after that. And so it's been a long time. Yeah, well, <laughs> glad to have you on board and mm-hmm. so well-trained. Mm-hmm. So talk us through what is autism? There's a lot that floats around mm-hmm. out there and people may not understand what it is. They may hear autism disorder, autism spectrum disorder. So talk us, help us define it. Yes, I'd, I'd happy to. Uh, so, you know, I really like talking about April as as Autism Appreciation Month. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that it really is autism is essentially uh, a, a um, developmental issue, but produces brains that are different. Right, that um, the brain develops differently, and we're all different, and we can our our culture and our lives can be enriched by a diversity of different uh, backgrounds. And so this idea of a um, more of a neurodiversity uh, kind of perspective and an appreciation of that, that mm-hmm. um, that uh, as a recent blog um, from a colleague of mine says, you know, uh, 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 not all, was <laughs> it not all great minds think alike, right? Mm. That rather than all great minds think alike. That yeah. Not all great minds think alike, and we can have some differences. So what autism is, is really a, um, a, a difference in neurodevelopment, meaning how the brain is growing and connecting um, uh, as we develop. You know? and, and so people with autism, um, it's defined clinically by specific issues mm-hmm. with mainly uh, um, social, um, social reciprocity and um, social interaction difficulties as well as um, you know, restrictive and repetitive behaviors or interests that, that can be pretty classic features. Um, and, but the, the term, yeah, we, we, we hear these different terms thrown mm-hmm. around, but the, the movement has been to, um, rather than talk about specific types of autism, mm-hmm. uh, use this broader umbrella term of autism spectrum disorder really acknowledging that um, autism is not one thing, Hmm. but really can manifest in many different ways and as unique as individuals are unique. You know, it can be very, it can manifest in lots of different 
a whole spectrum of, of, of different ways with different abilities, strengths and weaknesses, different levels of, um, of uh, support that might be needed or, or not needed. And uh, so they a wide, it can, can manifest in a wide range of, of ways. And I so appreciate that you say that because I think we as a society can start creating these labels of mm -hmm. this is this diagnosis and this is what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And then that takes away from the grand diversity as you're sharing that people, we all have different brains. Like we literally have mm -hmm. different brains and we've developed differently. Mm -hmm. So um, you mentioned a word that I want to make sure mm -hmm. that we can gain a little more understanding. You said social reciprocity. Mm -hmm. What is that? Right. Social reciprocity is this, you know, normal give and take of uh, just how we're interacting right now. We're giving each other eye contact and I'm using body language and, um, you know, gestures that you understand and I understand your, your body language and, and gestures. And this is all, we just take these things for granted. This mm -hmm. is kind of part of uh, neurotypical uh, human development that we learn these these things and, and some, of, some of these uh, things like, like eye contact and um, and how we how we analyze faces and how we uh, respond to social cues come pretty naturally to for most people. In autism, those those things don't come naturally. It's very um, uh, it can be very difficult um, to understand that oh, I'm supposed to look the person in the eye when we're <laughs> when we're talking, and that's something they might have to learn over time how to do and, and make a conscious effort to do it. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of these things that we take for granted as as just normal social behavior. Uh, that we don't even th that neurotypical people don't even think about. Mm -hmm. uh, someone with autism might have to work very hard at. Yeah, and definitely the more we understand, you know, mm -hmm. like all of these things that come natural to us mm -hmm. or may or may not to certain individuals, um, and hopefully that helps us get to the point, as you shared in the beginning, where we're appreciating the neurodiversity that mm -hmm. exists in our communities. Mm -hmm. So there's talk or as I've seen online or other people have heard at least in my office in the clinic outpatient office sometimes there's an understanding that there are you know autism is becomes or it is happens to someone because they're taking vaccines or they're doing things can you talk us through what like what is the actual source of autism mm -hmm. Yeah, so I mean, this is an area of active research, and um, right off the bat, I can say that the concerns about um, autism being caused by vaccines has been thoroughly debunked. Okay. Uh, this was a flat-out fraudulent study that came out uh, uh, years ago, in the 80s, I believe, and um, has since been um, completely refuted. Um, in 2014, I think it was, there was a, uh, a large meta-analysis, meaning mm -hmm. a study of all the studies done mm -hmm. on autism, mm -hmm. including 1.25 million people. This is a huge, wow. huge study showing no causal relationship between vaccines and autism. So we can, we can just put that to rest. <laughs> I know that's gonna, it's still all over the internet and other yeah. sources, but no, yeah, uh, there's no causal relationship there. Uh, we know that, uh, and this is, again, it's complicated. Mm -hmm. Whenever you're talking about neurodevelopment and you're talking about how the brain is developing, you're talking about the most complicated system in, in the universe, the mm -hmm. brain, the human brain. And uh, how, it, how it goes through development is extremely complicated. It involves literally thousands of different genes. And we mm -hmm. know about um, hundreds of genes that might be involved in uh, in autism and, and how, how it... Hundreds. Hundreds, yes. So, so it, it's very complicated. 
Um, what all these genes have in common is they all have in common um, that they're very important for uh, certain proteins that are important in, in brain cells called neurons. Um, they're very important in um, how those neurons are connecting to each other, how they grow and connect. Um, it seems like that's what uh, nearly all the, the genes that we know about that contribute to autism, um, uh, that they all have in, that in common. Mm -hmm. And that's really what, to answer the other question, what autism is, yeah. is this neurodevelopmental issue yeah. where um, the cells of the brain called neurons um, maybe aren't connecting the way they typically would, um, maybe over-connecting in some areas, mm -hmm. and maybe under-connecting in other, other areas. So there might be problems with broader connectivity between the two sides of the brain, between different regions of the brain. There might be um, not enough connectivity or not t the typical amount of connectivity. Mm -hmm. Whereas then in other spe more specific areas, there might be over more, more connectivity than is typical, leading to, um, for example, um, persons with autism might, might be very detail-focused and really, for example, when looking at a, uh, someone's face, they might be looking at very specific parts of, of the face, very detailed details of the face, but might have a hard time putting the conceptualization of the whole picture, of the whole face together mm -hmm. in, in the way that a typical person would um, to, to have very easy facial recognition abilities. You know, that might be a challenge for someone with autism because of the way that the neurons are connected. So going back to um, how this is caused, so yeah. really it, it's a, um, predominantly genetics, meaning your, your genes that you're born with right. are guiding um, the development of the brain. And we know that about, uh, in studies range on the estimates for this, but it's, it's about 90% of the variance of, of the, 90% of the cause of autism is, are the genes, the genetics. Um, so you, it's highly inheritable. Parents with a child with autism are very likely to have um, another child with autism. You know, twin studies um, it, with uh, twins. Mm -hmm. uh, these uh, um, uh, uh, that th th there's a very high rate of autism with, between the, the twins. Yeah. Fraternal twins might have um, a still have a high rate, but it's not as high. But you know, yeah. so the, so the, there's. Uh, uh, we know that the very clear, um, predominantly genetic cause. The um, there are environmental factors. You know there can be, um, you know, exposures to things that might contribute, but that's a relatively small um, contribution to the development of, of the disorder. Yeah. While well, you mentioned the brain is the most complex <laughs> organ, so it makes sense that there'd be so many factors that mm. could contribute to that. Mm -hmm. So then if someone is has a child or maybe themselves want to find out, do I have um, autism? How? What is the whole diagnosis process? Mm -hmm. Sure. So, you know, typically in, in different uh, different uh, leading organizations have different guidelines for how this goes and but I would say that the typical, you know, how this typically goes would be, mm -hmm. a, you know, a, your, your pediatrician or your, um, or, or uh, might be suspicious of, of like these autistic features or family, you know, you might, might start being suspicious that, oh, you know, things don't seem to be, the normal kind of developmental milestones may not be happening mm -hmm. the way that you're expecting them to with, with, uh, with social reciprocity, with language, with, um, the other component of, of the autism diagnosis being um, 
issues with repetitive uh, behaviors or, and, and, uh, and uh, fixed or rigid kind of interests that you might see. So I think you know early on um, in development you might you may see these kinds of you know autistic kinds of behaviors coming out and then that might might prompt some further investigation and so we have different ways of going about this uh, you know that we have the diagnostic and statistical manual or DSM now in its fifth edition for for psychiatric diagnoses that includes you know specific criteria for the diagnosis but yeah. um, and those are the things I was. I just was just talking about. Uh, however, you know, to really be thorough about it, that's it's usually not. We don't, usually don't end there. You know, a clinician, would, as myself, if I was in, mm -hmm. if I was meeting a uh, a client that I suspected might have um, might have autism based on these features, I would then refer them to for for more um, for additional screening. You know, and there's various uh, screening measures that are used uh, used commonly. Um, and ideally, that's performed by a you know a clinical psychologist with experience in in um, the diagnosis, and would, we can go through these um, these more thorough um, uh, screening measures. But it it really is a kind of more a clinical diagnosis based mm -hmm. on the uh, features, and really importantly, the history over time. So um, part of part of the diagnostic diagnostic schemas are that um, these are features that are present from an early age. And continue. These are persistent, per pervasive. You know, this is not something that you catch later in life or something. This is this has uh, been there. It's a part of the brain development from mm -hmm. early on, mm -hmm. and um, always there. Now, some cautions about that, though. Some. Yeah. So the, um, I think the, um, the uh, American Academy of Pediatrics, I believe it is, uh, uh, recommends screening all children mm. um, between the ages of I think 18 and 24 months. It recommends screening everybody. Other organizations and um, don't have that same uh, screening criteria. They'll they'll say, you know, when when there's when there's uh, um, reason to suspect yeah. that autism may be there, that then you may refer mm. for further uh, testing. Most organizations don't recommend that happens until after three years old. You know that usually you want to give some time for because there's various fact many factors in the early developmental period that may may influence. Um, Features that may may be present at certain times, but not others, and so you really want to see those um, kind of persist and be um, uh, be part of the you know, persistent picture, right? So yeah. you're usually waiting till after three, um, and then using these more thorough um, diagnostic measures to um, to make the diagnosis is, is really how it goes. Right. So there's not a, there's not a blood yeah. test or a or imaging that's part of the diagnosis. It's gotcha. based on these, these clinical features. Okay, so it's pretty thorough. It can be and may take some time to really get an answer. Is there anything else that um, we should mention before we wrap up today's segment? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, um, yeah, again, we, we've, we've talked about how um, the autism brain, autistic mm -hmm. brain really is different and that yeah. it, those differences can be, um, sometimes be a good thing. Right, mm -hmm. and be helpful to our to our um, diversity of thought and our diversity to approaching problems as a as a society. And they can have people with autism can have uh, um, you know abilities. Sometimes there's um, even special abilities. You know, in savants that might have special abilities to do things that others might not, and might have might require uh, um, more support in other areas. And I think it's important to mention that 
um, intellectual disability mm -hmm. uh, is not necessarily part of the diagnosis, mm -hmm. but can commonly co-occur that um, autism, because it's a this developmental issue, often can cause other developmental issues, including intellectual disability, including ADHD. Um, there's a high degree of comorbidity or co-occurrence of autism with other psychiatric disorders. And, um, and you know, th that requires special attention too, that we're, that we're um, addressing those um, co-occurring issues. At, at, you know, those can be addressed kind of separately, but taking the autistic brain in mind, we may have to um, modify our treatment approaches, our psychotherapeutic treatment approaches. That a lot of psychotherapy involves a lot of this face-to-face mm -hmm. -face verbal interaction, whereas someone with autism might do better with um, with a role play or visual kinds of um, interactions. And, and you might have to modify therapies to to approach that. Um, with that in mind, I think it's important to mention there are a lot of treatments. There's no cure for autism. We can't change the specific mm -hmm. development uh, of the brain at this point, but there are um, uh, many treatments that those can be very kind of skills-based kinds of treatments from you know learning how to um, interact in a neurotypical way right mm -hmm. um, to, uh, to to other um, you know learning how to there can be a lot of problems with I think there's a misconception that in autism that they're unemotional which is not really the case uh, in fact they can have even more intense emotions they can be more sensitive to a lot of sensory um, inputs and have more even more intense emotions have some difficulty with regulation of those emotions and uh, I think it's just how um, an understanding and an acknowledgement that, the, that that their experience is different than the, the typical experience mm. um, but that you know how they how they modulate that is is just different than how you or I might modulate that and it's just important to keep that in mind and there's probably there's so much more we could talk about but yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I think we'll have in the in the um, um, comments or in the yeah. in, in this we'll have some additional links to great. for more information and uh, there's a lot of really great resources out there for um, for people who maybe think they may have autism themselves for, for families mm -hmm. for people with autism and, and uh, a lot of good support groups for um, for everyone involved. Well, Dr. Rogers, my biggest takeaways that I'm hearing are celebrating our differences. Um, and that's something that can be perceived as this negative label of stigma doesn't have to be that, that we can celebrate and learn and just understand that we may not understand fully um, someone's diagnosis just from a label. So thank you so much for your time. And thank you so much for tuning in to Reach for Wellness. To get more information and follow the links of all of the information Dr. Rogers has for us today, click on the links below. For future episodes of Reach for Wellness, you can visit communityreachcenter.org and find those links to our social media pages. And on our website, you can also learn more about Community Reach Center and the services we have. Thank you and talk to you next time.